you're sitting down, open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, a very familiar passage from the Old Testament because we're finding here the story of probably most familiarity. You find the story of David and Bathsheba. Now it says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning with verse 5, And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Verse 16. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David. And Uriah the Hittite died also. Now look at 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23, verse 8. And these be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same as Adeno the Esnite, he lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty with David, and when they had defiled the Philistines that were gathered together in battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. And look at verse 39. And Uriah the Hittite, 37 in all. Now, as you read this passage of Scripture, you and I both, we have heard countless messages about David. And, and, and we understand David, he was in a place he should not have been. And David, he was allowed himself to, to give attention to something he should not have given attention to. And, and David, as he lingered there on the rooftop of the palace, he, he was not being accountable as he should have been accountable to. And he did not control his thinking. He did not control his heart. And you realize because of that, there's countless sermons been preached about David and they need to be preached about David because we do need to guard our heart and we do need to guard our eyes and we do need to be careful where we go and where we are supposed to be. So I understand all the messages about David and just preach on and preach more. And you've probably heard messages about Bathsheba. And I still don't quite understand why you would want to go out on the top of a roof and take a bath. Now it just doesn't make sense to me. And so people have talked about Bathsheba being where she should not have been. And, and people have, have talked about how, how there's this issue of modesty that should be addressed. And boy, it needs to be addressed today as well. And, and there's this issue of, of having the right mannerism. And, and there should be these messages preached about Bathsheba and understanding what our responsibility is and us not enticing someone else into failure, into sin. But, but we've got this one character in this text that he kind of gets ignored and his name is Uriah the Hittite. That was Bathsheba's husband. That was the man David tried to cover up his sin with. And so, so when you look at Uriah, this man that is overlooked, there's one word that describes him better than anything else, I believe. You find this one word is faithfulness. Because Uriah was a faithful man and Uriah was a man who was living for God and Uriah was this guy who got used, he got abused, and he got hurt, but he still lived for God. And let me ask you a question. Maybe 
you felt like you've been hurt while you've been serving Jesus. And maybe you've been abused while you were being faithful to Jesus. And maybe you've got people say things to you, do things to you, and, and you wonder, is it really worth it to be faithful? And I want to show you and tell you and establish in the Word of God, it is worth it to be faithful to our God because our God has done so much for us. Maybe you were honest and you got repaid with dishonesty. Maybe you were faithful and you, you received unfaithfulness back. Maybe you gave your heart to someone and it was broken in countless pieces. Maybe you, you felt like it was a waste of time to obey God. Maybe you felt like it was a waste of time to extend love to someone. Maybe you felt like it was a waste of time to show forth kindness and generosity because all you got back was hurt and all you got back was pain and all you got back was things that you did not like. And I can tell you though by the word of God, your faithfulness will make a difference. Your faithfulness will make a difference in time. It will make a difference in eternity. You must be, you should be. You gotta stay faithful. Because what else can you do? Where else can you go? See, it matters if you live for Jesus. It matters if you live for God. It, when God speaks by his word into your heart, it matters that you obey him. And Uriah, he was this one gentleman you can find in this passage of scripture, the one word that described him, he was a faithful man. How do I know he was faithful? Well, look at the story. He was a faithful husband. He had gone out into battle he was doing the work of the kingdom. He was doing the work of God. He had gone out. He was engaged in battle. And while he was being faithful, his wife had an affair with David. A child was conceived. And in order to cover up their sin, David plots a plan. And he says, I'm going to bring Uriah in from the battlefield and Uriah will go home to his wife. And then nine months later, everybody will think the baby belongs to Uriah. David would have never have done that, had that plan, had he thought Uriah will come home and Uriah's going honky-tonking. Uriah is going to come home and Uriah's going to go bar hopping. Uriah's going to come home and Uriah's going to go clubbing. See, see, that never crossed David's mind because David knew Uriah was a man of faith and Uriah would come home and he would not do these things. He would be faithful to his wife because he had proven himself as a faithful man. Do you see that? See, see Uriah was faithful as a, as a husband. He, he was faithful to his king. Because you see, when, when this did not work, when Uriah, when he came home and he did not go to his wife, he slept at the palace with the guards because the Ark of the Covenant was still out in the fields. He, he said, I will not go. I am a consecrated man. I am a sanctified man. He was faithful to his king. And David, when he saw the plan didn't work, you know what he did? He took a pen or a quill or whatever and a piece of paper, and he wrote out Uriah's death sentence, right? And he took that paper, and he folded it up, 
He signed his name, folded it up. He put the seal of the king on that piece of paper, that letter that was Uriah's death sentence. And who did he have take it? Uriah. He said, take this letter to Joab and give it to... See, David knew he was faithful to the king. Or he would have never given him that letter. Because... Uriah could have got down the road and he could have said, well, let's open this up and see what the king's business is. But David never questioned his faithfulness. He was a faithful man. He was faithful as a husband. He was faithful to his king. He was faithful to his commander. When he got that letter that had been written by the king and sealed by the king, he brought it straight to Joab. And Joab opened the letter and the letter said, you take Uriah the Hittite and you put him in the hottest part of the battle, the most fierce part of the battle. And then you retreat from him and you make sure he dies. And Joab, how would he know where the hottest part of the battle was? He was a veteran soldier. This was not his first rodeo. He understood exactly where the hot spot was. And he took Uriah and he said, you go into the hottest place. And he sent him to his death. He did not send him into the battle to win. He sent him into the battle to die. And Uriah, he never, he wasn't a greenhorn. He was a veteran, combat veteran also. He knew the hot spot of the battle. And when, when he was sent into the hottest place of the battle, he knew exactly what was going on as far as the battle. But he did not hesitate. He did not argue. He did not say, let's talk about this. He was faithful to his commander. Are you that faithful? That when your commander tells you something, you don't want to debate it? You don't want to argue about it, but you do what your commander has called you and equipped you to do, and you go where he has sent you to go. He was faithful to his God. Do you see that in the picture, the story? You see, see, because when they asked him, why did you not go home to your wife? He told them in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 10 and 11. He said, how can I go home to my wife when the Ark of the Covenant, and to every Israelite, they knew that the Ark of the Covenant, it symbolized the presence of Almighty God. How can I go home when the Ark is still in the battlefield? How can I go home when the presence of God is still out there fighting? How can I go home? I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of obedience. I'm a man of God. I cannot go home while the ark is still out in the field. Man, he was faithful to his God. And, and you understand God puts a lot of premium on faithfulness. Because you see, God's really not concerned about what kind of talent you have because we all have different types of talent. And God's not even concerned about how much ability that you might have. But what God is concerned about, are you a faithful man? Are you a faithful woman? Are you someone that, that, that he understands? So you hear, Uriah was a faithful man. But, but look also, Uriah... He looked like he made a fool of himself, right? I, I mean, when you read the story, here it is. He's faithful to Bathsheba and his wife commits adultery with another man. But he's faithful. He's faithful to his king, but the king has signed his death certificate, his, his death decree. 
But he's faithful even when the king wasn't faithful. He, he was faithful to his commander who, who sent him in to, to, to be killed. So here's our question. Where's God in all this? Isn't that what you want to ask? Because that's what I want to ask. The most faithful man in the story. He gets hurt. He gets abused. He gets killed. Where's God in the story? It looks like they've made a fool of him. And let me tell you something. Somewhere along in your Christian life, you will get hurt if you serve Jesus long enough. I'm not saying you may get hurt. You will be hurt. People will let you you down and the devil will get on your shoulder and whisper in your ear aren't you a fool it doesn't pay to serve God you might as well just quit you will be wronged you will be misunderstood and he's whispering you look like a fool he's whispering why don't you quit have you heard that whisper because you don't have to serve Jesus a long, long, long time. And you're going to wonder, is it really worth it? And I'm here to stay by the word of God. It matters. It is worth it. It matters if you are faithful. It matters even when you've been hurt. It matters when you've been let down. It matters when you've been abused. Jesus, he faithfully went to the cross. Jesus, he faithfully allowed those soldiers to arrest him. Jesus, he faithfully stood before Pilate. Jesus, faithfully, he was there when they beat him and lashed him with a cat of nine tails. He faithfully went to the cross. He faithfully had the nails pounded into his hand. He faithfully allowed that cross to be dropped with a thud into the hole. He faithfully had his flesh torn. He was faithful to you. He was faithful to me. It's worth it to be faithful to your God. Now let me give you three reasons why it's worth it to be faithful to your God. Faith matters because of grace. You've got to understand that. Faith matters because of grace. What is grace all about here? You read about Uriah the Hittite. Who is Uriah? He is a Hittite. He is not an Israelite. He is a Hittite. And you're first introduced to Hittites in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 20 where God was telling Abraham that your children, your descendants will go into captivity for 400 plus years. Your descendants will go into captivity for a long period of time. But when they come out and when they go into the promised land, they are to drive out the Hittites. And all these other ites. But he specifically said, you are to drive out the Hittites. And then later on, when he talks to Moses, he says to Moses, you are to destroy the Hittites. Because these are a people who opposed God. And, and these are people just like the Amorites. It says when their full measure of sin has come. You see, a man or a woman or an entity or a nation can so join themselves to a sin, there will come a time there is no redemption. You better understand that. You don't get right with Jesus anytime you want to. You get right with Jesus when God speaks to your heart and you respond to him in faith because there is a measure of sin that can come into any of our lives to some degree where, where, where we've missed that opportunity. And you don't need to send away your day of grace. Here was a 
A man who was a Hittite. Here was a man who was under condemnation of death. Here was a man who his whole clan, his whole tribe, this whole nationality was to be destroyed. But something happened. The grace of God showed up. Here was this man, and I don't know if it was granddaddy or daddy or great-granddad. I just know one day these Hittite family of Uriah, they saw the God of Israel. They understood the God Almighty. And they said, we don't want to serve our pagan gods anymore. We're going to turn to the living God. We're going to turn to Jehovah God. We've heard of him. We see his mighty works. We're going to give our heart to him. And they made an adjustment, a change in their life to God. And Uriah shouldn't even be in this Bible. You understand? He's a Hittite. He should not be in the pages of scripture. He should not be in Israel. He should not be married to Bathsheba. He's already received far more than he deserved. He's a Hittite. And you and I are ites also. Because we are not Israelites. We are Gentiles. And when he responded to the grace that God extended, man, it all changed. You say, but preacher, you don't know what they did to me. They hurt me. They talked about me. They lied about me. I know what Jesus did for me. And I know what the Bible says in the New Testament. He said, some of you all were drunkards, and some of you all were adulterers, and some of you all were whoremongers, and some of you all were gossip, and some of you all were liars. Such were some as you. But now, aren't you glad to but now? Aren't you glad now I am born again? Now I am a child of the king. Now I know the precious blood of Jesus, how it washes down my life and cleanses my body. Now I know what it means to be in the beloved and the beloved of me. Now I know Jesus Christ. Now! And because I do, I know grace. I don't serve Jesus not to go to hell. I don't serve Jesus trying to impress him. I serve my Savior day in, day out, saying, thank you for what you've already done for me. Thank you for writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for washing my sins away. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for, Lord, allowing me to be in the Beloved and the Beloved. Thank you. But you'll be amazed at the people you meet. Well, I ain't going to sing no more in the choir because I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. I'm not going to teach Sunday school no more because they didn't let me read. I'm not going to go out witnesses that it's all why are you doing it to be thanked see that's why people quit because they forget what he's done for the and we've got this whole generation that thinks oh, of course god's gonna love me don't we we're americans of course he's gonna love me and we forget that we were vile sinners separated from god but while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for me. And anything I can do for him, I do it to say thank you. I read my Bible to say thank you. I bend my knee to say thank you. I share my faith to say thank you. I serve my God to say thank you. See, because of grace, Uriah had already received more than he deserved. And so have you and me. Because of grace. We ought to live faithful. But not only because of grace should we live faithful, but because of grief. You say, wait a second, preacher, what do you mean because of grief? You understand the grief that took place in Uriah's life. 
I mean, it was a grievous thing for, for to Uriah to experience what, what he was experiencing. But listen to me. Listen to me. Dying is not the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. But you go to some of our prayer meetings and we pray more for people not to meet Jesus that are saved than lost people not to go to hell. Hmm? Listen to yourself. Dying is not the worst thing. I mean, here's Uriah. He is where he's supposed to be. He is obeying his king. He's obeying his commander. He's loving his God. He's serving faithfully. He is a faithful soldier. He is a faithful fighter of the faith. He's out there in the battlefield. They put him in the hottest spot of the battle. Then everybody pulls back from him. And all of a sudden he's dead. And he wakes up and he's in paradise. And here he's walking around paradise. And they say, Uriah, when did you get here? He said, I just did. What happened? I don't know. I was out serving my God. I was out fighting the fight. I was out doing what God had called me and equipped me and told me to do. I was being faithful to my God. And here I am. Well, that ain't a bad deal, is it? I mean, ain't that the way you want to go? I want to go going out with a blaze of glory, fighting the fight of faith. But if you don't let me do that, I just want to be faithful to him. So here he is. He had a lot of grief. Just because of how he died, and I'm not saying, oh, I'm looking forward to death. By no means am I saying that. But I'm just saying, I am prepared to die. See, see, there is grief that we experience in life. His wife betrayed him. His king betrayed him. His commander betrayed him. He experienced all kinds of grief. But guys, it turned out pretty good for him, didn't it? He went to paradise. He went to the very presence See, there's a grief that I experience. But then there's also a grief that I could cause. You look at Uriah. Uriah left this world without hearing what had happened. Do you think that's a good thing? Do you understand how good it is not to know everything do you know how it wearies your mind when you find out some things and it's just like, oh no, what do we do now? How are they going to handle this? How are they going to react? And this fix-it idea comes up inside of us and it has nothing to do with us. It's between that person and God and we're all of a sudden just consumed with mentally with what's transpiring. But he went out without hearing anything about the affair. He didn't know anything about the baby. He went out not hearing. That's good. What did David hear? David heard the baby's dead. David heard Ammon has raped your daughter, Tamar. David heard that Absalom has killed Ammon. David heard that Absalom is coming to kill you and he's going to take the kid. Do you think he heard anything? Yeah! Sometimes it's good not to hear stuff, right? And so Uriah, he went out without hearing. Uriah, he went out without hating. How do you learn to hate? How does hate come into your spirit? Because I heard what you said, right? And, and, and Uriah never had the opportunity to hear what had transpired with, Uriah, with, with Bathsheba and David. So, so imagine if you had heard, if Uriah had heard. Do you think he may have been tempted to get even? Yes. Do you think he may have been tempted to try to set things straight? But he didn't hear, so he didn't hate. I think Uriah got a pretty good end of the deal, don't you? 
ushered straight into the paradise instead of the presence of God there. See, and bitterness is a terrible thing. See, see bitterness, it's like a little, a little plant that, that, that gets inside your, your life. And, and if you don't squelch it and, and root it out, it just develops. And bitterness all of a sudden takes over your life. And this bitter attitude, and I just don't like them, and I don't forgive them, and, and I can't forget what they did. And bitterness just starts consuming. And the Bible tells us we're to put away bitterness. We're to, we're to be forgiving and we're to be tenderhearted. That's an act of faith. And faith is only going to be acted as you adjust yourself and, and your behavior. See, see, but he didn't have that. He didn't have that opportunity. Did David live a life that had any hate in it? Yeah. The Bible says that Ammon hated Tamar after he raped her with the same intensity that he loved her prior to. Absalom hated Ammon, for two years, he plotted and planned how he would kill his half-brother. And apparently, Am Absalom, he, he, he disliked his father because he planned to kill David and steal the kingdom. Let me ask you, what kind of house do you live in? Is your home home that is just filled with, with bitterness and, 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 and sarcasm and difficulty? Or have you said, Lord, help me forgive from the heart because I not able to do this help me to release to let go see Uriah left without hating now look at this Uriah left without halting he did not destroy his testimony he went home clean do you understand what about David what do you think about when you think about David David Bathsheba. First thing comes in most of our minds. What do you think the world thinks when they think about David? David and Bathsheba. It says over in 2 Samuel 12, 14, Nathan says that God said, Because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Listen to me. It would be much better to go home clean than to ruin your testimony and give the world opportunity to blaspheme. You make sense? Because that's what David did. What do you think Joab thought when you brought up David? You understand Joab and David were relatives? I think they were cousins. And you realize that, that after this situation with Bathsheba, that, that, that there's many times when Joab should have been called on the carpet and been rebuked and dealt with sternly, but always Joab seemed to slide. Why is that? Because he had the letter. Everybody knew the affair. But we don't find where everybody knew about the letter, do we? And so here's this man who has the letter signed by the king. Anybody got your letter? Anybody know that secret? And therefore you are compromised because there's not a clean heart. See, it matters if you're faithful. 
It matters because of grace that you be faithful. It matters because of grief that you be faithful. I'd rather leave this world experiencing. Amen. I'd rather leave this world filled with grief that I have experienced than leave this world with grief I have caused. You see it? It matters because of God. God says, moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Man, that's what God's looking for. Faithfulness. Faithfulness, it comes from faith. Faith comes as you respond to Christ in obedience. Faith comes as you respond and adjust yourself to the word of God. And he says, I want you to be faithful. Now, now look over in Matthew chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 1, you have the, the lineage of Jesus Christ. And you have this, this hall of fame of, of relatives to Jesus Christ. And look what it says in verse 6. And Jesse beget David the king. And David beget Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Now why do we interrupt the lineage of Christ and we bring up your eyes. Well, well, he's reminding us of David's sin. No, he's not. Nathan told David that God does not bring up your sin anymore. God did not put Uriah's, Uriah's name in there to remind you of the sin of David. He said, don't forget this man. This man amidst all that was going on was faithful to me. This man against the abuse, against the lies, against everything. He was faithful. To, don't forget Uriah. He's not reminding us of David's sin. He's reminding us of the faithfulness of his servant. He's a man of faith. And he got put into the middle of the genealogy because he was faithful. Don't you think that's beautiful? If you study Bible numerology, that gives the understanding where the numbers in the Bible have meaning. And if you notice back in 2 Samuel chapter 23, it says in verse 36 that Uriah the Hittite, 30 and 7 and a... Why did he put Uriah the Hittite's name right beside the number 37? Well, we know what he's talking about, preacher. He's listing David's mighty men. I understand it. I get it. But he didn't have to list Uriah last. He didn't have to put his... God put words in there where they're supposed to be because they're important. He put it right beside the number 37. And so when you look at that, I think you have to realize that the number 37, it has a meaning. The number 30 means dedication. And it points to the dedication of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. And the number 7, it has the meaning of perfection or completeness. So right beside Uriah's name, number 37, I expect it means something more. Because I see that he is a picture of the dedication that Jesus Christ had when he went to the cross look at this look at this Uriah reminds me of Jesus Uriah died to cover another person's sin why do you think Jesus died to cover my sin your sin 
Jesus, it says also, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter and he opened not his mouth. Uriah never complained. Uriah never murmured. Uriah never talked back. He was just like Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus was abandoned and forsaken. And there's Uriah. You see it? He's showing us in this faithful man a picture of Christ. Because Uriah, he was abandoned. He was forsaken. And So when the devil comes along and gets on your shoulder like he gets on my shoulder and he says, where's God now, big boy? Why are you being allowed to hurt like you hurt? Why are you being allowed to go through this pain that you're going through? You've been abused. You've been lied about. You've been falsely accused. Listen, you might as well quit. You might as well throw in the towel. It's not worth it to serve Jesus. Let me tell you, it is. Because maybe the devil knows something that we don't seem to get. And maybe the devil realizes it is when you are broken. And it is when you are hurting. And it is when you have been abused and you've been lied about. It's at that moment that you're going to show forth Christ to a lost and dying world more than any other time. So, is faithfulness worth it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just look at Uriah. He was faithful. And he was received into glory. And his name was listed in the lineage. Not because he was kin, <laughs> but because he was faithful. Let me ask you, are you faithful? Are you faithful to the word? Are you faithful to the work? Are you faithful to your God? Faithfulness matters. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Preacher, I don't even understand that because I've never been born again. Let me encourage you this day. You can become a man or a woman or a boy or girl of faith. And we can show you with an open Bible what it means to be saved. And you can give your life to Christ. And he will birth faith inside of you. And faith will be like a muscle as it is used. It will develop and it will be stronger. And every day you will have that faith relationship with your God. But you have to understand are you saved? Or have you never been born again? Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. What's God saying to your heart? If you were to die tonight, do you know that you know that you know you would go to heaven when you die? Because the promise of the word of God is these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Come be saved. As God is speaking to your heart, come receive Christ. And maybe you're here and you've been struggling. And you've not understood. And you're, you're concerned because you've not been thanked. Maybe you just realize it's not about being thanked. It's about me saying, thank you, Jesus. And Lord, have this gratitude of heart just born again inside my soul. Obey God. Father, we come to you thanking you. God, teach us your word. Show us, God, how amidst the times we get hurt, the times we get accused, 
we'll be faithful. Even if we look like a fool, God, to the world, we're going to be faithful. Open our hearts, God, right now. Altars open. As we stand together, obey God. Won't you come?